these questions, they can be participatory. You can, you can respond, I'll try to, to hear you out. Uh, if you all want to shout, that's fine too, whatever. But I, I have some questions for you, and, and they're very specific. How many of you felt tired this week? Anybody feel tired this week? Anybody? Anybody feel like you, you, you got stuff done, but nothing you really wanted to get done this week? Did anybody? Anybody, uh, this is for the parents all Any of you, any parents felt like you just, if you could sell one child, you'd have a little bit less busy life? Like you feel a little bit more like calm and collected? Uh, anybody out there this morning, any, anybody, you got here by the grace of God after hitting snooze four times? Anybody? You just, uh, snooze. Snooze and then snooze and then you looked at the clock, you're like, oh my goodness, I'm going to be like. If you're honest, this week, how many felt overwhelmed at all with something in your life? How many of you this morning felt rushed? I did. I did. I felt rushed. I, 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 didn't say, I wouldn't say that I forgot that I was preaching, but I felt like God brought this together really late. Uh, in my heart. And so I felt, I felt rushed. And that's, that's really what I want to talk to you about. That's, the, that's obviously why there's a slide on the screen that says rushed. I want to talk about being rushed this morning. About what it means to be rushed. And to be perfectly honest, I'm not going to fix anything. So don't leave now that I've told you that. Don't leave because I'm not going to fix your rushed life. But what I want to talk to you about is about how to manage your rushed life. Okay? How to manage your rushed life. Because the reality is, I think, I think being rushed is just part of the human condition. It's just part of being human. It's what happens to us. But it's what we do with being rushed that's, that's really important. In the busyness of life, how we act. The things we do. The things we prioritize mean something. And so in the rush of life, we can have victory. You can have victory. I'm gonna, this is the, the punchline. You can have victory despite being rushed. You can have victory. You can, like that said, when you, you get stuff done but you don't know if you got anything important done, I think you can get stuff done and be important at the same time. And so that's what I want to talk to you about. So if you have your Bibles, your tablets, your phones, uh, if you really feel like you were way overdue it this week, let, let your neighbor find this verse and just look on with them if you're really feeling rushed. Uh, turn to Matthew uh, chapter 27, or excuse me, 26, not 27, 26, and we're going to start there, um, and while you're turning there, I'm going to tell you a little bit about myself. So Kayla and I, when we first got married, uh, we lived in Minneapolis. Uh, Kayla is the, the real pastor of the family. She's the holiest one. Uh, she's the North Central graduate. She has the piece of paper that says she's really smart, uh, and so she she was living down the cities, and we started dating, and I spent a year apart from her, uh, me living up here in Duluth, and Superior, her living down in the Twin Cities, and that happened for a year. She came back over the summer, and I decided that that's not how I wanted to live ever again, that I could not live with the two-hour space between us, and so I decided to move down to the cities. Uh, if you've ever heard me talk about this, it was with no job, no place to stay, and by the grace of God, um, but... We lived downtown Minneapolis. Our apartment was literally right across the, the like, 35-94 corridor in downtown Minneapolis, right across from the Minneapolis Convention Center. And one of the things that I, I realized about living downtown Minneapolis is that a lot of you kind of crawl at that thought. 
like, uh, just, I don't want to do that. That doesn't sound fun or enjoyable at all. There's so much about it that just makes you feel anxious or not excited about that. And I think the reason for it is two words, rush hour, right? Rush hour is the reason you don't, that most of us won't want to live in downtown big cities. It was just part of life for us. We were young and silly. We didn't realize how much danger we were in sometimes living in downtown Minneapolis and the walks we took. But rush hour is just a part of the experience. I worked uh, on Franklin Avenue, which is one of the main thoroughfares in uh, downtown Minneapolis on, in a bank with big picture windows. And at 4.30, you could just watch car after car after car driving by. And there was a stoplight not that far. In some cars, it took like two or three stoplights to get just past my windows that I could see them. You know, and it just takes time. That normal five-minute commute took, you know, 15 to 20 minutes during rush hour. And again, I, I think being rushed in life is just part of the human experience. And rush hour just brings something out in us, right? You want to teach the people around you a lesson on how to drive better or how to do things more correctly. Don't worry, we all honk at the person in front of us two seconds after we've realized that there's a green light and they're not moving. We all do it. We all do it. We all lay on the horn when, when we, we feel like other people are in our way. My mom and dad, whenever we go down to the cities with them, I think it's one of the main, they always make sure to tell me that's one of the main reasons they got out of the cities was the traffic. The traffic. But for us, for Kayla and I, when we lived on Tom Minneapolis, it was just part of the experience. It was part of what we dealt with. We would do things like go out on dates at different times to try to avoid the crowds. We would, I worked a different schedule. I worked 10 o'clock to 6 p.m. That helped me avoid the rush very well. I, uh, wasn't, I was working when people were trying to get places. But we did the best we could to just avoid the rush of rush hour. And it just, it was part of it. It would be 10 o'clock and we'd be sitting on the 35 corridor doing whatever we were doing and invariably you'd always get stopped once. It just was part of it. It's just what it is. And being rushed, I think, is something we all seem to hate. I, I don't like being rushed. I don't like feeling rushed. I don't like feeling like life's going by quickly at all. I don't like that feeling. And it's something that as an older, older person in our congregation you probably say, would tell us as advice, Enjoy life while you can because it goes by fast. It goes by quick. Being rushed is part of it. And I think the reason we feel rushed is because we all can't occupy the same space. I know that sounds really, yeah, Matt, we can't operate. You've all been in the elevator, and that's too many people, and you're all crunched in there, and it's just uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable to try to occupy the same space together. And the reason I think we feel rushed is, is for a very good reason. There's limited space in the world. In Taiwan, a space about the size of the overflows in, in size for land is like $200,000. Space is limited. For us, that makes no sense because we have more of it, but still it's limited here. It's not infinite. Another reason we feel rushed, I think, is because time is limited. I think that's just, it's hard. It's hard to not feel rushed when we know we only have 24 hours in a day, when we only will be up for about 12 hours of that, or 
what have you. And so we, we feel rushed. And another reason that we feel rushed is I think resources are limited. In the world, resources are limited. It's not, we can't have everything we want in every way we want. And, and these realities, the limited space, the limited time, and the limited resources of our world make me really, 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 really glad. That's three really, so it's really important. It's, I'm really glad we serve a God that's not constrained by space. He created the space. And so space doesn't limit him. I'm really glad that we serve a God that's outside of time because it doesn't limit him. Well, time does not limit God, and so he's outside of these confines that we find ourselves in, in the rush, and, and he can do so much in our lives because he's outside of time. I'm also really glad that he's not limited by resource, that resource actually flows from him. He spoke the world into existence. No resource is beyond his capacity to, to obtain. His, his storehouse is never empty. I love that. But the problem is, is, is we come to church and you still pray like God has limited space, that God has limited time, and that God has limited resource. We worship a God that has unlimited space, time, and resource, but we worship like he has limited space, he has limited time, and he has limited resource. And I think we need to change our perspective on that. Being rushed in life leads to some pretty dramatic actions. Some pretty dramatic, dramatic things happen when we feel rushed. And the first thing I think that happens when we get rushed and we don't trust in this God that is, um, has unlimited time and space and resource is we start to pray away time. If you've been at your work and you say, God, just help the hours to pass quickly. <laughs> You're praying away time. What's the one resource we can't get back? Time. And here we are saying, God, please, please let it go fast. And what a prayer. Pray away time. I think that's a pretty dramatic and extreme response to feeling rushed in our lives. The other thing that I think happens when we feel rushed is we start to feel a lot of stress. Right? Being rushed equals being stressed. And I, I'm not going to get into all the effects of stress on our lives. You do a couple of YouTube searches this afternoon. Watch a couple videos about the effects of stress on our lives. I, I don't want to say too much, but you might as well get rid of the stress and smoke a little. It'll be better for your body. I'm, I'm serious. I'm not joking. Smoking a little is better for your body. And I don't think we should, don't take up smoking. That's not a bad idea. But it's better for you than living in extreme stress. It is amazing what happens to our body when we are under stress. And that's what happens when we are rushed, is we start to feel the stress of life upon us. The last thing that happens is we end up starting to do a lot of things, but nothing that's really important to us. When you start to feel the rush of life, and everything starts to go at a million miles a second, and you feel the rush of what's happening in your life, you do a lot of things, you get a lot of stuff done, but nothing that's really important to you. You're just busy. You're just doing things. It's stuff. Like most of the things in your house that you have very little attachment to. It's just stuff. 
And that can happen with our lives and our busyness, is our lives just get full of stuff. And it's very meaningless to us. See, my story about being rushed is about video games. And before I get too much, I play video games. It's okay, I'm 33. Uh, video games do have some good effects on you. So uh, I'll, I'll take that for what it's worth. But my, my rush ended up being about video games. And so he, here's my story. On Sunday afternoons or Sunday evenings, I, I have guy time. It's my time. Kayla allows me to get away from the girl, our two girls and the family and, and life, and I get to have guy time with uh, some of my friends and play, play some video games. And, and over time, what I started realizing is that I was rushing. I was rushed to get to 6 o'clock on Sunday afternoon and evening to play video games with my guy friends. It was the thing that controlled my time. I wanted to make it to video game night more than anything else during the week. <laughs> I was stressed. I needed the release time. And I, I don't want to stand up here and, and you, I think the easy thing to say, oh, Matt, you shouldn't be playing video games. They're bad for you and all this stuff. That's not the point. The point is what was rushing me. The thing that was pushing me, pushing my decisions on Sunday afternoon, Sunday day, Tuesday afternoon was Sunday night playing video games. And God started to put his thumb on this time, which I wasn't happy about because it was my time. And I was rushed to get there. But he started putting his thumb there and started to say, Matt, what if you rushed to me like you rushed to 6 o'clock on Sunday night? What if you rushed to me and you rushed to your video games? God wanted to flip my world upside down. He wanted to take some of the things, one of the things that was really, really important to me and teach me a life lesson through it. Which, isn't that God? <laughs> Here's the thing. This is really, really important. If you write nothing else down, I want you to write this down. My rush was robbing me of my joy. And your rush is too. What you're rushing to, the things that are so important to you, the things that you're rushing towards, they are robbing you of joy. Because rushing, just getting places and going fast and getting stuff done, that's not the source of life. And inside of that, <laughs> inside of that rush, inside of the things I was doing, that, that video game time, there was no way to find life. Because the source of life is not in the busyness of life. Rushing doesn't bring life. And I think Jesus really has the answer. And we're going to go to a little bit of an odd set of verses to talk about this, but stick with me. And I really feel like God's going to reveal something to you this morning. I encourage you, there's pens in front of you as, you as you're going through this morning. I think God's going to speak to you about something in your life. Just like he spoke to me about video games, I think he wants to speak to you this morning. Write things down. That's a great way to take things away from Sunday morning and make it meaningful in your life throughout the week. So take a pen and just write, write it down as God brings it to, you, to your heart. And so we're going to look at the Garden of Gethsemane and the view that it gives us of how Jesus managed the rush of life. Because, newsflash, 
Jesus' life was rushed too. He did not escape what I think is the human condition of feeling rushed. So here we are. Matthew 26, verse 36 is where we're going to start. Go through 46, so 10 verses. And here's what they say. Then Jesus went to them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful. I think that's kind of funny that it says twice that he was sorrowful. And then now he says it's very sorrowful. I think that's significant. And trouble. And <clears throat> remain here and watch with me. And going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So? I feel like that's something your mom would say. So? Jesus, he, he, he knows us. He knows us. Could you not watch with me for one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for a second time, he went away and prayed, My father, if this, can pass, um, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. And so leaving them again, he went away and prayed for a third time, saying the same words again. Then he came to his disciples and said to them, Sleep and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise and let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Let's pray together. Lord, you're good. Lord, you, you know our condition. You know that for us, time, space, and resources are limited. And Lord, you know what that does for us. And the, the rush that we get put into in life. And I ask that you would reveal stuff to us this morning. Lord, I ask that you would help us to experience your love in a way that we never thought possible in the busyness of life. In your name. Amen. The cross is, is an interesting place to me. Not just because it's a place where we experience salvation, but because I always wonder when I read the cross why God waits to get to the cross. And that may sound kind of weird coming from this side of the conversation, but I, I really think, think about it in, in the way of, of this, that, that the world's salvation came through Jesus. It was one sacrifice, one life, and the impact that Jesus would have in this world that we still adhere to today. And so I always read it and think, God, why, did, why would you wait thousands of years and write the whole Old Testament in the busyness of this life when we needed the Savior, we needed Jesus so desperately from the very beginning? And I think the Old Testament proves Jesus' authenticity. It's, it's a very important part of the, the Bible and, and our faith and the foundation of what we believe about Jesus. And so it's not wasted. But I think one of the important things to know is that God would not be rushed to fulfill his plan. That there was, there was a plan that he, he had since the beginning of time 
to help us and to save us. And there was a plan there that needed to be brought through complete, to completion. And so he wouldn't rush what was necessary. And I think one of the places that we, we do this in our, our lives is when we try to help somebody find faith, to find salvation. We, we rush through some very important parts of helping somebody find Jesus. Rushing not to embrace the process because it takes time, it takes energy, and it takes resource. I think we like the idea of helping somebody find salvation, but we don't want to go through the the necessary steps that are often needed for somebody to really find a meaningful decision for Christ. We want to like throw the Bible at them and just say, read this and read these parts and read these specific verses in Romans. And, and do you want to make a decision now? And how about now? Would you make a decision? And then pray with them in that moment and then send them on their way. Because we're busy. Because really stepping through the process with somebody would take time, energy, and resource. And helping others see Jesus is like, like a super important part of our faith, is it not? Helping others around us see Jesus is, is a part of what we should be doing as Christians. We basically say in our rush that... We, we don't have time for the lost because we need to be on our grind. We have things to get done. And if you don't know what being on our grind, if I, I said that phrase and you were like, what did he just say? Being on our grind? Being on our what? Being on your grind is just being in a place where others see you doing exceedingly well. When you're, when you're on your grind, it's so other people see you doing well. I always think about the busyness of life and think in the rush of what we do, it's about us looking to the future, right? So being busy is about looking into the future and saying that there's, there's a goal, there's success, there's an achievement, there's a relationship, there's a paycheck or a perfute future that we, we really desire to have in our lives. And that's what the rush is all about. The rush is those things and finding them. Being on our grind. To, so that others see us doing ex exceedingly well. And Jesus had his grind too. Jesus was grinding too. Believe me, he, he was busy. Think about what, what's going to transpire over the next day in Jesus' life from the Garden of Gethsemane. The effort, the time, the pain that he would, he would be embarking on that would end up with him on the cross. There was a lot of effort necessary to get to the end of that day. Jesus had to grind the day he would find the cross. And I think that the Garden of Gethsemane, we see where Jesus' grind starts. Right? It says this, and it all started in a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there. And pray. Did you catch it? You see where Jesus starts. It says, "Go, sit here while I go over there and pray. Prayer. Jesus' grind started with connecting with God. 
The day that led to the cross started with Jesus pouring out his heart before his Father and saying, not your will, but my will, uh, not my will, but your will be done. See, working hard and being busy is not not of God, right? Not not of God. Ecclesiastes 3.13 says that we should enjoy the work, the toil of our lives, that, that it is part of the human existence and it is a gift from God. To, to work hard and to, to have toil. Jesus worked, he expended effort, had sleepless nights, but over and over again in Scripture we see that Jesus, Jesus started with connecting with God. Connecting with his Heavenly Father. See, our weekends end on Saturday, or on Sunday, and start on Saturday. I, I know I haven't said anything super groundbreaking for you there. Your weekend starts on Saturday and ends on Sunday. But, hear me out on this. I think we need to really change the way we view our weekends. I think Sunday should be the start of your work week. That you should look at Sunday as though it is the start of what's possible in the next week. Being on your grind has to start with God. Has to start with who He is. Because if your toil and your work is, it flows out of a different place than God, that's all it is. It's toil and work. And it's meaningless. But when it's founded in God and it flows out of a relationship with God, it is meaningful. And as simple as it may sound, I think Sunday morning is a great time, a great place to start your work week. Spending time with God, connecting with Him. Through worship, prayer, reflection, hearing a message from God's word, right, like right now. And I hope that you're getting something from this, that God is speaking to you and, and helping you see how to live a life that is more in line with him. So we have to start with that relationship with God. See, my video game time, the rush that I had to go play video games, it, would never, it never had the a chance of bringing life. It never had the chance because it wasn't the source. Video games weren't the source. Somebody say, amen, it's not the source. But it wasn't the source of life. It's not where my heart was going to get recharged, where meaning was going to come from in who I was. It was just an activity that I was rushed to do. And the reality was that rush was defining who I was, defining what I wanted, defining what I did. What if Sunday became that for you? Sunday morning, grinding to get here, working hard to get here, letting the rush to get to church on Sunday morning defining, to define the what things you do, the actions you take, and the things that you desire to do, instead of the other things we do. See, if Saturday and Sunday are just about entertainment, which I think a lot of us, if we're really, really honest with ourselves deep down, that's what the weekend is. It's entertainment. It's to, to just entertain ourselves with the things we love to do. If that's all the weekend is, then church is part of that entertainment. And the reality is, if you're here because you want to be entertained, I'm not that good of a preacher. <laughs> you won't, you're not going to get that entertained. Sure. But if Sunday morning and getting here and being a part of community becomes part of your grind, part of your work week, part of what starts you and launches you into your week, I think, you'll start to be defined by something completely different. See, what rushes are defining you? Is it your kids, your job, the dollar that you make, 
Is it the achievement that you want to have? The success that you want to find? Is it the relationship that you really think is important to you and you really have to have? What rush is defining you? Think about that. What rush is defining you? I think you could write it down. It probably doesn't even take that much time to think about the rush that's defining you. And think about how tired you are about chasing it down. Think about how tired you are chasing that thing. And why do you feel tired chasing that thing? It's because life is a race, right? And it doesn't care. Life does not care how you're feeling. If you're feeling tired, life doesn't care. It continues to go. Time continues to move on. The efforts of our life are weighed against the realities of the vast eternity that lays before us. And we feel what I would call zonked. Zonked is a term for tired, just in case you don't know. Zonked is tired. I could have said tired, but I think you remember zonked more at the end of all this. So when you feel zonked, you're left with no energy and little resource to, any, to do anything that's meaningful in your life. You, you, in the end, become the selfish center of your universe. You become the most important thing in the world around you when you're tired. In the rush of life, the urgent lays before us, and the things that are important never get done. I think this is what the disciples struggled with in the Garden of Gethsemane. Again, they found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So leaving them, he went and prayed. None of the disciples were ready for what was going to happen that day. In fact, the last thing we hear of the disciples is probably one of the saddest stories, I think, in the Bible, of Peter denying Jesus three times. That's the last thing we hear of the disciples until after Jesus is crucified. Not a single disciple was ready for the day. Here's why I think they weren't ready. Because they were the selfish center of the world. They were tired. They were overwhelmed. There was lots going on. And in the end, they, like Jesus said, pray because they don't want you to fall into temptation. But they were the center of their world. And when you're the center of your world, you don't find rest. There's no way to find rest because the rush of the past events we've done, the things that we're rushing to do so quickly and so often, catch up with us. And we, now, we don't find rest. Rest somehow escapes us. Anybody feel this way? Like you sleep and you get up and you don't feel like you rested at all? Like you don't feel like you really had the rest you needed? I feel this way right now. We have a nine-month-old and she doesn't like sleeping. For some reason. Probably our fault. We did it. We did this to ourselves. And Clara, she's, she's cute, and that's good because, boy, <laughs> whew, I've been tired lately. I have been sleep deprived. And I've found myself lately thinking if I could just get to vacation, if I could just get to our vacation time, I will find rest, I will find the thing I need so desperately, which is to rest, and what I realized through preparing this this week even, was that now the rush to vacation is defining me. And the reality is, vacation's not life either. 
Vacation's not the source of life. I felt rushed to go to vacation. I realized, hey, it's defining me. And I, just like my video games, I'm not going to find rest there either. Matthew eleven twenty eight says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. This is what the disciples were missing. Running to the Heavenly Father in their moment of need. So they wouldn't fall into temptation. Jesus, in my humble opinion, Jesus was able to do so much with his life. He was able to accomplish so many things in three years because I believe he found true rest in God. And finding rest, I think, is, is a matter of our priorities. In my case, I thought 6.30 on Sunday night playing video games was the rest that I needed. And really the rest that I needed was in him. There's no, let me be frank, in Matthew 11, there's no wiggle room for rest coming from any other place. There's no wiggle room. It says the rest will come from who? Jesus. And so that thing that you think will help fill your tank and make you feel whole and give you the rest to stop feeling so tired, the thing that you're filling with will never be able to do that unless it has one thing in it. God. It has to start there. To me, it's about having consistent, knowable, recallable times with God. That will stabilize our lives. The zonkness, the tiredness we feel from all the past events that have caught up with us and the rush that we've been on, when we find God, we find peace that passes understanding. Time with God is the only way that we can control our present. Because when we get on our grind, it's about everything that's before us. It's about the things that we're looking ahead to. And when we are getting tired and we feel zonked and it's just so much upon our lives, it's because of all the things that have happened in our past that have caught up with us. So in the end, what, what do we do about being rushed? What, are the thing, what, what do we need to do? about being rushed. And I know I haven't given you the answer, right? I haven't fixed the busyness of your life at all. And I'm sorry for that. I wish I could. But I really believe it's just part of the human condition. It's a part about you and I and being human. That's, that's just part of it. But what, let me ask this question in response to my first question. So I'll ask a question about a question. I can do that because I'm preaching. <laughs> Why do you hate rush hour? Why do you hate rush hour? Here's my thought. Take it or leave it for what it's worth. We want to be somewhere else. And people are in our way to getting there. We get rushed. We get busy. All the things that go on in life. And in the end, a lot of our rush, a lot of the pressure that we feel is because people are in our way. And your rush defines you. What you rush to will define you. <coughs> At the end of all, when we get to the end, what rush will they be talking about at your funeral? 
What thing did you rush after that defined your life? I hope you rush after righteousness. That, that your life will start today with this moment, saying, this was the start of my work week. This connecting with God is what launches me into my work week effectively. It helps me to start my week off and rest. I know that sounds really weird, getting to church and the busyness of getting here, that you could somehow find rest here. But I believe that, that if you're defined by the rush of connecting with God, this time is rest. Getting here is rest. And so that's, that's my encouragement. You know, Easter's next week. This week, let the rush of life start by being defined and with time with God. Let the rush of this next week be defined by connecting with God first. Having knowable, consistent, recallable times with God this week. Let the busyness of life flow out of that. And boy, I, I think we'll, we'll have some pretty amazing stories next week. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to sing one more song of worship together. The song is called More, and I really think it's, it's what, what we desire. God, we want more of you. We want more of who you are. And so let's rest into that song for just a, a little bit longer. Let, let him speak to you through that. And I pray, I, I hope, with all my heart, that the rush of life will start being defined by God in you and through you. I think, I think, wow, what a testimony. What a testimony. Because we can still feel busy. But God is still good. So Father, we thank you so much for who you are. Lord, I ask that you would help us to see you. Lord, that the rush of our lives would be defined by who you are. Lord, that we would find you in every way in your name. Amen. I just want more just 